0: Act One of a Little Bit of Fluff by Walter W. Ellis. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.
1: Characters:
2: John Ayres, read
3: by Thomas Peter.
1: Bertram Toley, his friend, read by Campbell
3: Shelp. Nixon Trippett. Inspector of Claims for the Motor Bus Company. Read by Chuck Williamson. Dr. Biglin, also for the Motor Bus Company. Read by Todd.
4: Pamela, Mrs. John Ayres. Read by Emma Hatton.
5: Mammy Scott, from the 500 Club. Read by T.J. Burns. Aunt Hannah, Mr. Tully's aunt. Read by Abbaee ursula mr tolly's maid read by alicia messiah chalmers mrs eyre's maid read by eva davis
0: set directions read by elizabeth holland a little bit of fluff act One, scene john eyre's flat in bayswater the scene represents a room in the well-to-do flat of mr john eyre's in the district of bayswater a door to the right leads into the bedroom, and another door left leads to the hall and street. There are two French windows at the back with balconies beyond. A fireplace right above door. Mirror on mantelpiece. Easy chair right. Table upright center above door, with a pot of marguerites upon it. A writing desk up left center with telephone. A fancy table down left, with papers on it telegraph boy knock and ring heard off left chalmers a maid enters at left with one telegram on solver and crossing meets pamela center who is entered by door right pamela is a smart woman of thirty five handsome and beautifully gowned what is it chalmers seeing telegram
5: oh telegram madam thank
0: you opens and reads gives vent to a sigh of satisfaction Ha. Huh she thinks exit chalmers left telegraph boys knock and ring again off left chalmers enters with second telegram what's that chalmers still holding solver
5: another one madam
0: oh
4: reads again yes all right chalmers is going oh uh chalmers i'm expecting three more
5: telegrams madam
4: yes bring them to me directly they arrive
5: very good madam
0: exits left pamela glances again at telegrams and then going up places them carefully on table right center door slam is heard off left pamela surveys the room quickly and noticing her hat on table down left crosses over and conceals it with papers runs up to window left center and withdraws behind the window curtains john ayers enters door left he looks very smart in evening dress with coat and crush hat he yawns and gazes sleepily around then crosses to armchair humming a tune and taking off coat which he places over back of armchair goes to mantelpiece over fireplace and looks in mirror
2: what a face
0: pulls himself together takes face from mantelpiece places against his forehead and exits downright slams the door after him Pamela comes from hiding place and listens at door right, then picks up John's coat, comes center, and searches the inside pocket, takes out letters but finds nothing incriminating, puts them back again. She pulls the sleeves of the coat out and sniffs twice and along whole length of sleeve, then pulls necklace out of side pocket. Oh, oh! She replaces necklace and puts coat on back of chair, left of table right. Coming to door right, she taps loudly on it. John, heard off irritably. What is it? Pamela repeats the knocking, then crosses to center. John is obviously changing his clothes, and enters just with morning trousers and braces showing.
2: What is it? What the devil? Oh, it's you, Pam. I didn't know you were home. Haven't you been to Folkestone?
4: Of course I have mother wasn't well so we came back yesterday
2: yesterday oh oh oh
4: strolls off right to get
0: his waistcoat and jacket heard off
2: did you sleep at a, uh, at mother's last night
0: pamela does not answer but is apparently annoyed re-enter john buttoning waistcoat
2: i say i suppose you slept at your mother's last night
4: where did you sleep
2: where did i sleep
4: i'm asking you
2: what a funny question to ask anyone i slept at home in there of course obviously naturally
4: whenever you adopt that innocent attitude i always know you are telling me a willful lie
2: i couldn't tell you a lie if i tried do you remember that phrenologist we went to at eastbourne he told me i had an enormous bump of veracity
4: this is nothing to do with phrenology I am to believe that you slept at home last night?
2: Yes, of course. Why?
4: I slept at home too. Strange, we didn't meet.
2: Uh, Yes, that is funny.
4: I locked that bedroom door from half past eleven last night until nine o'clock this morning.
2: Well, if you lock the bedroom door, how can you possibly expect me to sleep at home? Absurd.
4: Getting
0: into jacket.
2: No, I'll tell you the whole facts of the case, Pam. We went to the uh opera last night.
4: We? Oui?
2: Yes, uh my friend Tully and I. Tully had some tickets given him.
4: And you came home together?
2: Y yes. And uh I slept at Tully's.
4: What opera did you go to? John Broad
0: Gestures.
2: The uh uh the uh <laughs> that's rather a silly question. No one ever goes to an opera and remembers anything about the performance.
4: But the name of the opera?
2: Oh, (laughs) oh, the name. You mean what the opera was called?
4: Exactly.
2: The, uh, the title? Yes. Well, uh, you know the... The opera where the girl comes on with a sewing machine. No, you know what I mean, a spinning wheel uh, two long plates uh, marguerite uh, faust that's it faust yes faust uh, with the devil in it
4: business of putting fingers to forehead and so you both went to see faust
2: after that we came home
4: crosses to left laughing
2: <laughs> i remember making a joke to tully
4: never mind the joke
2: well it was just then that i missed my latchkey
4: You missed your latch-key.
2: And it was rather late to rouse Chalmers, so Tully offered me a shakedown at his place, and I stayed there.
4: There's a good deal of Tully about it, but if you lost your latch-key, how did you get in just now? John? smiling.
2: Oh, I found the key afterwards.
4: Well, give it to me. John hesitates. Give it to me, please. John obeys. She goes up to fireplace. While I pay the rent of the flat.
2: Oh, don't say that. It isn't cricket, Pam, to throw the rent up in my face. After all, it was you who made me give up my office in the city.
4: For the simplest reason you were making.
2: I was making a profit of five pounds a week.
4: And it was costing me another fifteen pounds to keep the office open. Coming down to John. Now look here. I have enough for both. "'So long as you do not work in the city.'
2: "'Well, I can't grub along on five pounds a week like some people.'
4: "'Must I remind you that I have been allowing you forty pounds a month?'
2: "'No. Excuse me, dear. It was agreed between us that my allowance should be fifteen pounds only.'
4: "'Telegraph knock and ring off left.' "'I'm quite aware it was agreed, but you kept borrowing on account. Even now you are two years ahead with your money.'
2: As much as that.
4: Two years.
2: <laughs> how time flies. But I shall pay it back.
4: But
0: let us keep to the point. Chalmers enters with three telegrams on Solver.
4: About last night.
2: For me? No, sir, for the mistress.
4: Oh, er, Chalmers. Reading telegrams. Will you just knock at the flat next door and ask if Mr. Tooley is at home? And if so will he kindly look in here for a moment chalmers going
5: very good madam
2: chalmers chalmers
4: beckoning chalmers to stop
0: to pamela
2: you dare not do such a thing
0: pamela to chalmers do as i tell you chalmers exit chalmers john as chalmers is going off
2: chalmers cha cha
0: turns to pamela
2: you are not going to show me up before my friends
4: there will be no showing up john if what you say is true moves up to table right center
2: no no of course not
4: moves to telephone besides i don't suppose your friend tooley would give you away anyway men are such cunning brutes john with a burst which he checks instantly <laughs> pamela
0: looks round then goes on reading telegram at back john whispering into telephone
2: give me region three four six Regent 346.
4: Pamela, without turning. It's no use your phoning Mr. Tooley. I should be bound to hear what you said.
2: I was only trying to get him to come up, dear.
4: Chalmers is quite capable of taking a message. John, rising and crossing to Pamela.
2: Hang it all, Pam. Don't you believe what I've told you?
4: Pamela, turning sharply to John. Not one word.
2: <laughs> Why not?
4: this morning i sent a reply paid wire to your friends at kew
2: harry Crombly?
4: yes asking if you stopped there last night this is his reply hands wire read it read
0: it out please john takes wire gingerly reads
2: yes john stayed here last night
0: aside
2: silly owl well dear old harry (laughs) I expect he thought she would be worrying about me. He's very thoughtful, is Harry.
4: Gives wire back. Wait, I also sent a wire to your friend Blackiston at Kensington. Asking the same question. His reply. Handing second wire to John. John amazed.
0: Read it. Read that out, please. John takes wire. Reads.
2: Yes, John stayed here last night. Pauses. Well, now I, I can tell how this happened.
4: Gives back wire. Wait, don't commit yourself. I sent three other wires to Mr. Marshall, Gus Stanhope, and Drayling. They all reply that you stayed with them. Read for yourself. Hands wires to John, which he does not take.
2: I can explain it all, dear. You see, they were probably all together, and they thought they would put a spoof up on dear old John. They're all jolly good friends.
4: Yes, they must all be very, very good friends, or else they must have a shocking opinion of your habits.
2: I can explain everything.
4: I believe you could explain the Tower of London away, but you can't have slept in six different beds in one night unless you were a sleepwalker.
2: I still maintain that I slept last night at Tully's.
4: We shall see. Place
0: his telegrams on table right center. Enter Chalmers.
5: Mr. Tully, madam.
0: Holds door open until Tully is on, then exits, closing the door. Tully is rather a spare man, with drooping moustache, and rather sanctimonious and miserable-looking. He enters and stands just above the small table down left, nervously twisting his hands. On Tully's entrance, John makes a dive for Tully.
2: I say, Tully, didn't I—
0: Pamela— Catches John by right arm and pulls him down right. Advances
4: to Tully. How do you do, Mr. Tully? Shakes hands. How do you do, Mrs. Ayers? Morning, John.
2: Morning, Tully.
4: Good morning.
2: Ah, you see he wasn't up when I left this morning, lazy beggar.
4: Pamela sent her to Tully. I have to apologize, Mr. Tully, for bringing you out. Oh, not at all. We er uh, John and I are in a little difficulty, and if you could see our way to answer a few questions, it would be doing us a great favor, and it might save both of us lifelong misery.
2: My wife won't believe that I
4: Will you be quiet? You're breaking down the one slender thread that holds our married life together. I want mister tooley's version of last night without your assistance. Turning to Tully. Now, may I ask did you have anyone staying with you last night at the flat tully shaking his head
1: no not to my knowledge john is
0: pointing to himself frantically
4: no one stayed at your place at all
0: tully seeing john
4: oh, or with a gulp john stayed
1: there
0: pamela turns quickly almost catches john pointing to himself John makes a dive for book on table right center, and turns pages over quickly.
4: Pamela turns again to Tully. But just now you said no one stayed there.
1: We we never count John as anyone.
4: John rubs
0: hands with glee.
2: No, dear. I'm nobody.
0: Pamela gives
4: John a freezing look, then again to Tully. Now, would you mind telling me how you passed the evening? Last night. Looking at John. Last night.
1: Well, we er, let me think, we er, yes.
4: John points to window.
1: We went out.
4: And where did you go, might
0: I ask? John is gesticulating with one hand on his chest and open-mouthed as in opera. Tully, failing to interpret John's signals.
1: It's rather difficult to remember offhand. One night is so very much like another. Try to think. John, still gesticulating
0: and open-mouthed.
1: I think we must have been in a boat on the serpentine. Pamela turns quickly. John goes up to table right
0: center and smells marguerites. Tully, very embarrassed.
2: These are very beautiful flowers, dear. Did these come from Covent Garden?
1: please
4: don't interrupt
1: oh now i remember it's about last night you wanted to know last night oh last night we went to covent to 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 the opera john nods and smiles at tully john had tickets
0: given to him john annoyed
2: no no those tickets were given me to give to you they were a present from mr baxter
1: oh i didn't quite understand i must write and thank mr
4: baxter
3: baxter baxter
4: baxter baxter who is mr baxter
2: don't you know dear do you of course he's mr baxter baxter
4: pamela to tully and did you enjoy the opera not
1: very much. I really prefer the singing down at our chapel.
4: What opera was it?
1: I don't think I noticed. Didn't notice?
2: Of course not, dear. No decent person ever does. It's bad form.
4: Silence! To Tully. Haven't you any idea of the name of the opera?
1: Not for the moment, er, uh, er. Uh.
0: John points to part of Marguerite's.
1: I, er,
4: Daisy, Daisy Daydreams. I can't say I have ever heard of an opera of the name of Daisy Daydreams. John is now holding a plate made
1: from his handkerchief to the back of his head. Tully, watching John. Was it something to do with, er, something hanging from the back of the head?
4: And you can't remember the name of the opera.
1: Not for the moment. John points to Marguerite's again. Are you sure it wasn't Daisy, or Daisies, or Margaret, er? John nods his head. Margaret, er, er, Faust, of course.
2: Yes, dear, Faust, of course.
0: Pamela turns quickly to John. John just as quickly turns his
4: back.
2: Now are you satisfied?
4: And after you left the opera? To Telly we came home what induced john to sleep at your place seeing your door is next to ours john signalling key and door and then lost
1: oh he couldn't find his keyhole
0: pamela turns quickly round to john
2: no no dear we simply went to the opera and saw daisy faust i mean came out had a drink I told Tully I couldn't find my key. I, I suppose he thought I said keyhole. Ye <laughs> offered me a shakedown, and I stayed there. And I think such a clear explanation ought to satisfy anyone.
4: Yes, I suppose
0: so. John, going to fireplace.
2: Then everything is quite in order.
0: Very satisfied. Tully sighs. Pamela, doubtfully. Y- y- yes, y- yes, except... Picking up John's coat with left hand. Could either of you explain this? John, coming down to Pamela.
2: That's my coat.
0: No. Taking necklace from pocket with right hand and holding it up. This. Pause. John and Tully both
1: amazed. Oh, that's nothing to do with me.
2: What is it, dear? What is it?
4: A pearl necklace. Turning to Tully. I suppose you don't wear pearl necklaces, do you, Mr. Tooley? No, no.
2: I can tell you all about that, dear. I saw that in a shop window, and I picked it up very cheaply. I'm sure it's a bargain.
4: And who was it intended for, may I ask?
2: Who should I buy pearl necklaces for?
4: For me, for me, I suppose. Boiling with
0: rage and throwing coat up to settee center.
2: Of course, naturally ask tully
0: tully goes to chair by telephone left center stands perfectly still unnerved john below table right center stands blinking and looking into space pamela goes to table down left uncovers her hat picks it up goes toward door right as she passes john oh goes to door right opens door oh exits door right bangs door after her Tully, flopping into chair, he is standing by.
2: Oh, I'm
1: all of a tremble.
0: John, crosses up to settee, puts coat on settee,
1: then up to Tully.
2: You're a boiled-headed owl.
1: If you had told me yesterday that you could lie like that, I should never have believed you. John, coming down right.
2: You did your share very well.
1: What's going to happen now?
2: She'll probably pack up and go home to her mother's.
1: Tully, rising and crossing to John. John, where did you go last night?
2: I took a little friend out to dinner, and then we went out to the palace. And after that we had supper at the 500 Club. We watched them dancing and had a dancer to ourselves. But it's perfectly absurd if a man can't have a little innocent enjoyment and a couple of dances with a little bit of fluff without all this absurd fuss.
1: But the hour...
2: At the club we kept it up a bit late, that's all. We had breakfast at Jimmy Dawson's flat and cooked bacon and eggs.
1: Won't you promise never to do such a thing again? John, crossing to left.
2: i promise never to poach an egg in an opera hat again. I can't possibly live without some relaxation now and then.
1: But must you really go out and about with little bits of fl- fl-
2: fluff? Most certainly if I want to. What have you got to say to that?
1: Oh, dear, dear, dear.
2: Everything would have been all right, only you were so infernally stupid about the opera. I'm sure Marguerite and Plates was perfectly clear. If you had only said Faust without any hesitation, everything would have been all right.
1: But it's so risky. They play a different opera every night at Covent Garden.
2: I know they do. I wonder what they did play. Where's the newspaper?
1: looking round for paper
0: seeing paper on table right below door crosses over gets paper
2: here it is
0: crosses to tully
2: now if my luck's in they played faust
0: both look at paper together
2: last night here we are theaters last night covent garden pictures
0: john tears the paper in two gives half to tully
2: here tear that up
0: HANDING OTHER HALF.
2: And this bit too. Get rid of it somehow.
0: Tully tears paper in pieces and puts bits in handkerchief pocket. John crosses to door right. How do you think you will get out of this? John, crossing center.
2: Quite easily. Tact and diplomacy.
0: OFFERING HIS HEAD TO Tully.
2: Feel that bump. They say I have a bigger bump of tact than Lloyd George.
0: Tully, feeling head. Oh, I say. Both stand to attention as Pamela re-enters right, wearing a hat and carrying a small suitcase. The pearl necklace is also in her hand. She crosses over to door right, not looking at either of the men and dabbing her face with a handkerchief as if crying. She stops as John speaks.
2: Pam, Pam.
0: Pamela, coming down to table left and placing
4: suitcase on table. I am going home to Mother's. You'll hear from her later. And probably the solicitor's.
2: Well, Pam, I think you're awfully silly. And after I've bought you a pearl necklace, too.
4: I doubt very much if the necklace was intended for me.
2: Oh, Tully, did you hear that? The only woman in the world I have ever loved.
4: Sinking into chair, left
0: of table, right, center. Tully who has been standing watching very nervously by table with telephone left center, crosses to Pamela.
1: I don't think you ought to say such things, Mrs. Ayers.
0: Pamela shrugs shoulders and
1: turns back on him. He crosses to John. Do leave us for a few moments, John. I...
2: But Tully, I...
1: I'll put it all right.
2: But Tully, I...
1: John is persuaded to go off right by Tully.
0: John exits, muttering... Tully shuts door. Tully, crossing to Pamela.
1: One moment, Mrs. Ayers, you know. I feel somehow that I am to blame for all of this. I don't want to pose as a hyper-religious man. But everyone says I'm very good and I wouldn't deceive you for the world. I'm sure that necklace was intended for you. Pamela, opening
4: suitcase. "'Well, in any case, I value my feelings at something more than a—a—a one-and-eleven-penny-pearl necklace.' Drops necklace into case and shuts it.
1: "'Really, I think you are doing John an injustice. I don't think you quite understand his little ways.'
4: "'I understand as much as is fit for me to
1: understand.' "'No, really, I know John doesn't behave in a conventional manner as a rule, but he is quite harmless.'
0: "'Pamela, raging.' up to tully
4: then crossing down right harmless harmless a man who can sleep in six different beds in one night harmless throwing arms up on last
0: harmless
1: six impossible it would be a record
0: pamela up to table right center picks up bundle of telegrams hands them to tully
4: read for yourself
1: john stayed here q john stayed here bloomsbury "'John stayed Barnes, Kensington, Bloomsbury, to Kew, Kew to Kensington, Kensington to Barnes. "'It couldn't be done in the time. "'Oh, I can quite understand this. "'It's all John's friends, all anxious to shield him from the fury of his wife.'
0: "'I beg your pardon!' "'snatches telegrams from Tully.
1: "'I mean, all anxious to shield him from your displeasure. "'John has such a host of good friends.' "'There isn't one who wouldn't lay down his life for him. "'Why, John's one of the best
4: in the world.'
1: "'Pamela, crossing to left by table down left.'
4: "'I am quite a broad-minded woman, Mr. Tully. "'I don't expect men to be angels, but there is a limit to everything.' "'Tully, crossing to Pamela.'
1: "'I quite agree with you in that, Mrs. Ayers, but as a broad-minded woman "'you must see that a man like John wants a little relaxation.' And there's really no harm if he does go out to dinner occasionally with, what was it he called them? Little pieces, no, little bits of fluff. What?
4: What? Tully recoils. Pamela follows him up to center. You expect me to sit at home while my husband goes out with little bits of fluff? Tully pulls out handkerchief with pieces of paper. Well, you know, it's a term, a joke tries to conceal pieces of paper with his feet i'm surprised mr Tully, that your mission teaching should have put such ideas into your head crossing to table picking up case
0: as little bits of fluff good day exit pamela down left banging door behind her the front door is then heard to slam tully stands looking into space for a time then proceeds to pick up torn paper John, cautiously peeping in door right.
2: What are you doing?
1: Sweeping up Covent Garden. John, crossing to right center.
2: Has she gone?
1: Yes, I'm so sorry, John. John, crosses to Telly.
2: That's all through your meddling in things that don't concern you.
1: Did you really sleep in six different beds?
2: Oh, don't be silly.
1: Is there any chance of her returning?
2: Of course she'll come back. She does this sort of thing about every fortnight.
1: Do you sleep out as often as that?
2: No. She does it with the idea that I shall go and fetch her back.
1: Well, why don't you?
2: Because once I do that my authority will be gone. She'll treat me like a child and leave home two or three times a day. Things have never gone so badly as this before.
1: I think the pearl necklace did it, don't you? John, suddenly aroused.
2: Ha, ah, the necklace where is it where is it have you got it
1: no no why should i have it
2: then where is it where is it the necklace
1: looks about wildly for the necklace
2: look for it don't stand there like an anemic camel look for it
0: tully jumping about in a silly fashion
2: where where everywhere all over the place perhaps it's on the floor look for it
0: Both look about for the necklace.
2: Ah, and maybe under the table.
0: They both dive under the table from opposite ends. Their heads collide. They both come up holding their heads
1: in pain.
2: Can't you see where you are going?
1: I can only see stars.
2: Your head's like iron. But where's the necklace?
0: Moving armchair from right of table right center to below table about
1: three feet.
2: That's the question.
1: I've got it. Where? No, not the necklace. I've got an idea. Ugh. I expect Mrs. Ayers took it. You practically gave it to her, didn't you?
2: You think she took it?
1: Yes, I remember now while I was talking to her just now. I saw her drop it into her bag.
2: Are you sure?
1: Crossing to left. Doesn't matter. You can get it back from her. John, still looking about for
2: necklace. She'll never part with it she loves jewelry
1: well you can easily buy another putting hand in pocket i'll lend you the one and eleven pence
2: one and eleven pence one and eleven pence do you know that necklace is worth five hundred pounds
1: five hundred pounds
2: yes it was lent to little mammy scott by the rajah of changpur she took a fancy to the necklace and he lent it to her to wear just for the evening there was a big crush as we came out of the club last night and mammy asked me to put the necklace in my pocket for safety's sake as the clasp was broken which i did of course apparently we both forgot all about it she'll be in an awful stew she promised faithfully to return the necklace to the rajah today
1: oh dear dear dear
2: oh damn 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 what can i do what can i say what will mammy think of me
0: tully is twiddling
1: the chair right center about
2: oh don't foodle about with that chair
1: tully stops footling. is there no way of getting it back for mrs Ayers?
2: i tell you she'll never part with it and she may not be home for several days possibly a week in the meantime the rajah will be clamoring for his pearls I shall be branded as a. Well, there's no telling what it may lead to. Great heavens, what a hole to be in.
1: Crossing to chair left down stage. Couldn't you tell Miss Fluffy Scott you've lost it and buy her another?
2: Didn't you hear me say that necklace cost five hundred pounds?
0: Tully, twirling chair round on one leg.
1: Yes, that is awkward.
2: Oh, do put that chair down
0: advancing to tully tully sits center couldn't you borrow
1: the money john crossing sits down left
2: don't be a fool
1: it's easy enough i had a letter from someone only this morning offering to lend me any sum from ten pounds to ten thousand pounds without any security he enclosed his photograph such a nice kind honest open face
2: you innocent lamb well i suppose if i can't give it back i shall have to find the money
1: you will oh
0: it is a fix biting his nails john
1: rises goes up to tully
2: i say tully i suppose you don't happen to have five hundred that you don't want
1: not that i don't want
2: poor old tully you never seem to have any money i don't know what you live on are you sure you get enough to eat
1: You know, John, if I had the money, I couldn't refuse you. You do know that, don't you, John? John, patting Tully on back.
2: Of course I do, dear old Tully. Dear old Tully.
1: Comes down left. Tully, rising. Why do you always call me by my surname when I call you John? I do wish you'd call me Bertram. You know, when anyone calls me Bertram, I feel I could do any mortal thing in the world for them.
2: Well you get me out of this hole and i'll call you bertram till i bust
1: sits down left will you i think i know where you could get the money comes down to john john rising suddenly
2: where where
1: sit down john sits keep calm dick turner thinks the world of you
2: yes i know but he hasn't much money
1: I know, I know, but he was in a bus accident last Friday, and he's claiming £500 compensation from the motor bus company.
2: He'll never get it.
1: Oh, I think he will. In fact, it's nearly settled. And if you approach him in the matter, I feel sure he would lend you the £500.
2: But I was in that bus with him coming from Q. That's right,
1: coming from
2: Q. And if Dick Turner could get 500 I'm positive I could.
1: Well, I'm sure he's going to get it.
2: But there was scarcely any damage done. I didn't receive a scratch. Neither did Dick Turner. I was thrown forward on top of a fat old woman sitting opposite.
1: Still, you can't always tell at the time of the accident. Injuries sometimes develop afterwards.
0: Business of drawing patterns on carpet with foot. John rises and crosses slowly right.
2: Yes, of course especially after you've seen your solicitor.
1: Er, I...
2: Don't talk to me. My brain's working.
1: You know, John, in all cases of bus accidents, the bus companies have to pay out according to what the doctors think.
2: The question is to make the doctors think. Why should Dick Turner get 500 and I get nothing?
1: I suppose he was really injured.
2: Don't talk, don't talk! I've got the most wonderful brain.
1: Hand to forehead. Have you?
2: Yes. Feel that bump.
1: Tully obeys. Oh, did you get that under the table?
2: No, silly ass. It's a natural bump.
1: Excited.
2: It's all so simple. It's wonderful how I get myself out of every difficulty. Now, will you run down to the doctors for me?
0: Going up to telephone.
2: The last block of flats, you know.
0: Dr. Green. John, looking through telephone book
1: for number.
2: Yes, that's it. Ask him to call at once.
1: John, you're not going to pretend to the doctor that you are ill.
2: Now don't ask any questions.
1: Oh, no, John. Working fingers along back of armchair. I couldn't do a thing like that. It's not fair. It's not honest.
0: Protest in action against the suggestion, until John says, Bertram? when a broad smile comes across his face john rising and crossing to tully
2: bertram bertram
0: tully giggles affectedly oh john crossing to door left oh john
1: giggles oh john
0: giggles to loft door left quick exit john goes to telephone at phone
2: give me regent 1436 quickly miss please yes hello hello are you the motor omnibus company yes yes mrs john ayres speaking mrs john ayres yes my husband was in that terrible bus accident you had last friday coming from kew yes my husband And he's very ill, indeed. Yes? Eh? Oh, speak up. I can't hear a damned word you're saying.
0: Hand over phone for a second.
2: Oh, he didn't notice it at the time. He has witnesses to prove everything. Eh? I can't hear. Oh, you'll send your inspector round to look into it. Eh? You'll send your inspector round to look into it. Oh, very good. But don't send him immediately, as the patient is asleep. Eh? Yes, in about half an hour's time. We're quite close to your depot. We're quite close to your depot. Number 13, St. Mark's Mansions. Yes, very well. Thank you. Goodbye.
0: Puts up receiver. He looks round and takes off jacket. Chalmers enters left.
2: What is it? What is it? A lady to see
5: you,
0: sir. She smiles.
2: To see me? What are you laughing at?
0: Chalmers pulls herself together. Miss Scott, I think she said.
2: Good lord. Oh um, I'm busy. Uh, dressing for breakfast. Not at home.
0: Crossing to door right. Chalmers is going.
2: Wait. I'd better see her.
0: Opens door with right hand, holding it open. Show her in here. Chalmers in doubt.
2: In there,
5: sir?
0: pointing to door right john pointing back into room with left hand
2: no here here
0: exit down right exit chalmers door left chalmers shows in mamie scott she is a girl about twenty-seven petite but pretty dressed with many fur billows and other fluffy things she looks around as she enters with a swagger air sees chalmers smiling freezes her with a look chalmers straightens herself and goes off door left with nose and air mamie looks round room humming or singing a tune places parasol and settee at back and comes down centre enter john undoing collar and tie
5: hello jack
2: hello you dear little thing
0: in a playful temper
2: but you mustn't come here really
5: why not i thought you said the cat was away at folkestone
2: please don't call my wife a cat
0: exit john into room right mamie with an elaborate curtsy
5: oh i beg the cat's pardon
0: sweeping round room she sees photograph on table left centre
5: say jack whose picture is this
0: john spoken off
2: which one
5: this one here by the telephone
2: oh that is my wife
5: your wife some girl she's not the sort of first wife i'd pick out if i was going to be your second why not looks too darned healthy i'd have to wait too long for you
0: enter john door right
2: she's come home unexpectedly
0: mamie jumps in terror and makes a dive for vanity bag she has placed on table
5: left center jack
2: oh it's all right she's out just now
5: you did give me a fright
2: but it's true she is home all the same
5: exit into room right well come out here and talk to me i won't keep you long john spoken off
2: i can't i'm only half dressed
5: well i'll come in there crossing to door right
2: no no this is a bedroom
5: i'm not afraid of bedrooms
2: give me a minute just a minute
5: Come out as you are. I'm not particular.
2: I won't be two ticks.
5: right toe
0: Sits in armchair down right center and commences to powder her face.
5: I say, Jack, do you know that you didn't give me back the necklace last night?
0: John enters and creeps off again.
5: I say, Jacko, do you know you didn't give me back that necklace last night?
0: The word slightly smothered by using powder puff on mouth. Enter John in dressing gown.
2: I say, Mammy, that hat does suit you. You look awfully sweet.
5: You go on, Jack. You're the champion long-distance kidder in the universe. John crossing to left of Mammy.
2: But I mean it. It suits you awfully.
5: Oh, awfully. Mockingly. Do you know you didn't give me back the necklace last night? You know, the pearl necklace? John hesitating.
2: No, uh, I know I didn't. We both forgot all about it, didn't we?
0: We did. (laughs) Both laugh amusedly, thinking it a great joke.
2: I left it in my coat, and I left the coat at the club.
0: Mamie, rising, alarmed. Jack, it isn't lost. John, pressing her gently into chair
2: sit down sit down and don't worry it can't be lost if it is i'll buy you another that's all
5: five hundred pounds
2: yes i can't forget that but it's a mere flea bite to me
5: jack you don't understand the rajah looks on it as an heirloom he wouldn't part with it for the world that's why i wanted to wear it it was such a cute idea But I promise faithfully to return it to the Raja today.
2: Can't you make some excuse?
5: How can I? Have you been to the club?
2: No, I can't possibly go down there for a day or two. For a particular reason.
5: Oh, I do hope it isn't lost. Can't you phone?
2: Oh, yes, I did phone. But the club phone seems to be out of order.
5: That's torn it. What will the Raja think of me?
2: Now, don't worry. If you'll only wait, everything will be all right. In any case, if it is lost, I'll buy you another exactly like it. I can't say more, can I?
5: You really mean that?
2: Of course I do. I never break my word. I'm even going to get some money today. Out of accidents. I mean, in case of accidents. Now, listen. I'm awfully glad you've called. My wife's left me.
0: Mamie rising and throwing arms around John's neck. Jack! Darling! John, gently but firmly disengaging her arms.
2: Yes, but only for a little while. And I want you to do me a favor.
5: Of course I will, Jack.
2: I'm expecting a man here presently to examine me.
5: To examine you?
2: Yes. I'm very ill, you know. I was in a bus accident the other day, and, um... Things have been getting worse,
5: poor old Jack. i-i am sorry, pulling
0: his face to her with hand under his chin, but you don't look ill, John, Turning face again to front.
2: No, I'm one of those who bear up to the last. Uh, now. listen when this man calls, I want you to pretend that I'm bad, Of course, I am bad, but while he is here, I am sure to be a little worse. Mrs. Ayres, that is me, I've been speaking to him on the phone, and naturally when he comes, he'll expect to see me, that is, Mrs. Ayres. I, I see, you don't understand.
0: Mamie, very sympathetically. Jack, dear,
5: you haven't injured your head, have you?
2: No, it's quite all right. Nothing to do, but, uh, don't say you're my wife. Just pat me on the head now and then and moan poor john you understand
5: yes i understand poor john but say this is a spoof you're not really ill jack are you
2: of course not oh uh, (laughs) yes i am but don't worry i'm going to get better just poor john laid on thick
5: i see poor john crosses up to
0: mantelpiece, removes hat, and tidies her hair at glass. Tully enters hurriedly, sees Mamie, makes a bolt for door left, John catches him by coat, and pulls him back.
1: It's all right, John. As he enters. John to Mamie.
2: Excuse me a moment.
1: Tully to John. Dr. Green was out, but they'll send him round directly. He comes back. He's out on the case. About a poor little woman. Poor little woman.
0: Whispers in John's ear.
1: Who? Then aloud. Both, both doing well.
2: Well, that's more than we can say. Now I must go and finish dressing. Or rather undressing.
1: Sees Mamie.
2: Oh, um, let me introduce you to little Mammy Scott.
1: Tully, alarmed. Is she, is she fast? Fast? Is she a hussy?
2: You like her immensely. Come on.
1: Tully, in terror. No, no, I couldn't. I've never spoken to anyone like that in my life. John, taking hold of Tully.
2: Don't be a fool.
1: Oh, no, no, no. What would they think of me down at the mission? Besides, I wouldn't know what to say to her.
2: Why not?
1: I've never met a Fluff.
2: You do get hold of the most extraordinary expressions.
1: Calling to Mammy.
2: Mammy... Let me introduce you to a very old chum of mine, Mr. Bertram Tully, Miss Mammy Scott.
0: John crosses to door right. Mamie crosses over to Tully. Mamie, taking Tully's hand,
5: Oh, what a beautiful boy!
0: Pulls a long face.
2: Talk to him, Mammy. He has a wonderful flow of conversation. I shan't be long.
0: Exit John door right. Mamie beckons Tully with head and eyes, and edges down to armchair right. Sits. Tully, very nervous, edges down to chair left. Sits. Tully, playing with bottoms of his trouser legs and trying to make conversation.
1: Do you ever go, er, go, go, no. Tries again. Would you like to, 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 no. Has another try. It's it's wonderful how
0: the fine weather lasts. Mamie, very amused all the time.
5: <laughs> Ripping, isn't it? Yes, isn't it? Are you married?
1: No, I regret to say.
5: <laughs> a bit of luck in store for someone. Oh, thank you. I expect you have a gay old time.
0: Tully, twiddling his fingers
1: down his leg. No, not so very gay.
5: I know. You're a fly-by-night. No, I assure you, all my
1: people are most respectable.
5: Well then, you're a dark horse.
1: Tully, mystified. A dark horse?
5: You know, one of those outsiders who comes up with a rush on the rails at the last minute and wins by a short head. Do you get me?
1: I don't quite understand what you mean.
5: I mean, you can go the pace when you like.
0: She raises her dress and picks a piece of fluff from the hem, blows it into space.
1: No, I don't go.
0: Sees Mamie exposing a deal of leg. He is very embarrassed. Wipes his forehead with handkerchief.
1: No, I don't go at all. Rising and backing away from her.
5: What do you do to amuse yourself?
1: I go to chapel on Wednesdays and Saturdays.
0: Doing a sort of skating act with Legs and twisting backwards and forwards.
1: And I attend the mission on Tuesdays and Fridays.
0: Again down to her and seeing Leg, stumbles backwards and wiping forehead with handkerchief, keeps up this business, doing a sort of skating waltz.
5: Did they teach you that ragtime down at the mission?
0: Jumping up.
5: <laughs> I like your drunken step i must get a hold of that catches tully
0: and forces him round the room as if dancing a ragtime mamie sings and dances as well (laughs) tully breaks away from mamie and rushes to door right and knocking on door feverishly john 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 spoken off
2: what is it what is it
0: i'm being tempted
2: well stick it don't be a fool
0: Tully rushes up to window right, then down again to armchair. Mamie follows him up and down on left side of table. She motions to him with her eyes coyly to sit in armchair. He succumbs, sits gingerly on front of chair. Mamie sits on arm of chair and puts right arm around his neck. Tully snatches it away nervously.
5: Now tell me, what's this mission for? It's for the poor people.
0: Sees Mamie's exposed ankle turns away nervously. We
1: give them musical evenings to keep them out of the public houses. I play the flute. You do what? I play the flute. Oh, help!
0: Oh, they like it. Bell heard outside door left. Mamie, starting.
5: I wonder what that is.
0: Goes to door right, calling to John. Jack!
5: Jack! There's a ring at the bell.
0: (gasps) Do you think it can be the cat? Tully, rising and going up center. A
1: cat wouldn't ring the bell, Shirley.
0: Enter John dressed in pajamas and dressing gown from door right.
2: She couldn't possibly be here yet a while, whatever happened.
0: Enter Chalmers, left with card on solver, and crosses to John.
2: And please don't call my wife a cat.
5: I'm sorry.
0: Sits in armchair. John, reading card.
2: Good. Show him in at once
0: exit chalmers door left
2: it's mr nixon trippett
5: mr how much
2: mr nixon trippett the inspector from the motor bus company the man i told you about is going to examine me sit down and ask him to wait say i shan't be long
1: tully perplexed what have we got to do
2: mammy will tell you all about it
0: exit john wright
5: now listen here birdie brighteyes
0: oh stop it down center
5: all we've got to do is keep saying poor john poor john i'm to pretend i'm john's wife
1: poor john
0: mamie rising what do you mean nixon trippett enters shown by chalmers he is a very ugly man of forty dressed in frock coat and wearing spectacles he is almost shabby genteel chalmers retires Tully nervously retreats from Mamie, and seeing Trippett advances with uncertainty. Tully to Trippet,
1: Poor John. I mean, Mr. Ayers won't be a minute. Will you take a seat?
0: Brings chair down from table left center and places it center in a line with armchair right and small chair left. Trippett places hat on table left center and coming down to chair center.
3: Thank you, sir.
0: All sit. Mamie in armchair. Trippet Chair Center. Tully Chair Left.
3: Thank you, sir.
0: Removes Gloves. John groans loudly off right. All rise slowly and simultaneously with eyes fixed on door right, then sit again. John groans again very loudly. All rise. Mamie gets behind armchair. Trippet drags chair up to table left center, keeping eyes on door right all the time. Tully stands by chair left, gazing at door right. John enters groaning from door right. He is in pajamas with a blanket wrapped around him. Mamie assists him into armchair, John groaning all the time. Trippet advancing timidly to John.
3: Uh, Mr. Ayers, are you the injured person? Uh, uh, uh.
0: Trippet again advancing cautiously.
3: "'Might I ask if you are the injured person?' "'Don't I look like it. "'Do you think I'm doing this to be funny?'
0: Mamie, patting John's head. "'Poor John.' "'Poor John.' trippid glares at Tully, then over to him.
3: "'Do you think it would be advisable for me to call another day?' oh it's all right i can stick it
5: he's awfully brave
3: you know you ought to have kept in bed
0: going to table right center
3: it would have been better if i hadn't let you know i was coming
0: places gloves on table
3: oh no it wouldn't
0: poor john poor john Tripped. gazes first at mamie and then at tully
3: well now uh may i ask a few questions that will help me make out my report
0: pulls notebook and pencil out and looks round for something to write on
3: yes ask as many as you like to tully bring that table over from mr sticks and triplets not sticks and triplets nixon Trippet.
0: tully brings small table from down left and places it on left of armchair Trippet brings chair from left of table right center and places it on left of small table.
2: I beg your pardon.
0: Tully moves round to back of armchair on left of Mamie. Trippet sits and preparing to write in notebook.
3: Now then, Mr. John Ayers, isn't it?
2: Yes, John Ayers.
0: Trippet writes.
2: Oh, my back!
0: Poor John! poor john trippett looks at tully then writing again
3: tell me mr ayers uh, are you married of course
0: absent-mindedly taking tully's hand in mistake for mamie's and placing it by his face realizing his mistake he throws it away calling him a silly ass and then taking mamie's hand
3: yes of course any family Yes. No.
0: Trippet writing in book.
3: Yes and no. What is your height? Four feet four and a bit. Age? Forty-two. Chest measurement? Forty-two, two. Ever been vaccinated?
2: Well, my godfather was Mr.
3: Tully, and my godmother was... I said, vaccinated. Oh, I beg.
1: Oh, no, he never catches anything. Trip riding again.
3: Now, Mr. Ayers, you said you were traveling in one of the company's buses when this accident took place? Of course I was. <laughs> Last Friday.
2: Coming from Q. <sighs>
5: Poor John. Poor
0: John. John, to Mamie.
2: I'm afraid you won't have me with you much longer, darling.
0: Oh, Oh. Tully, leaning over and looking
1: into Trippet's face. It's hard to see him struck down like this.
0: Trippet rises slightly annoyed. Tully retreats to window right, then out of window and in by window left. Starts back when he sees Trippet still watching and pointing at him with his pencil. Trippit, resuming.
3: Could you tell me who was inside the bus, or describe the people in any way? There was, uh, Mr. Richard Turner. Yes, we have acknowledged his claim. A check for 500 was sent him this morning.
0: John, jumping up and leaning over to Trippit, What? Recovering himself and sitting again.
2: Oh it's only a spasm
3: that's all oh i am bad could you describe anyone else who was in the bus there were two
2: soldiers in khaki and a very fat old woman
0: trippett writes tully sidles around to back of armchair again
3: did these people make any statement or pass any remark when the collision occurred, someone said it was like being out at the front. The stout lady said that.
0: Mamie turns away, smiling. Tully shows surprise and disgust.
3: No,
2: Mr. Trippet, The soldier.
0: Poor John. Tully, who is now on left of Trippett, pats Trippett's head. Poor John. Trippett turns on Tully, very annoyed, then back to John
3: now may i ask why didn't you report this at the time how could i i was too stunned i suppose i quite appreciate what you say mr ayers but it's one of our rules that you should have lodged your complaint at the time the accident occurred i suppose if a man was killed stone dead he ought to leave his name and address if he knew where he was going but in this case the situation is quite different the mr turner you mentioned just now informed us that he was the only passenger injured in the accident and the other occupants of the bus rather bear out his statement how does he know he couldn't see my back you see you have no witnesses Shrugs.
2: no witnesses indeed Oh, yes, I have. Don't you run away with any idea like that. My friend Tully here was sitting next to me in the bus the whole of the time.
0: Tully almost collapses.
3: Oh, indeed, indeed.
0: Tully, quickly and very agitated, down to
1: left of Trippett. But I make no claim. Indeed, I don't. No, I make no claim. I make no claim at all.
3: I don't think I have your name and address,
1: Mr. Bertram Josiah Tully, number fourteen Saint Mark's Mansions, Tripit, writing then to Tully.
3: And you yourself were not injured,
1: not at present. I mean, not a scratch. Poor John. Poor John.
0: Tripit looks at John.
3: How do you account for that? If he was sitting next to you, Mr. Ayers. When the collision came, I fell forward on the two
2: soldiers. They had been in training for months and were as hard as nails, and naturally I sprained my back, while Mr. Tully here shot forward right on top of the fat old woman. And not hurt? She was
3: enormously fat.
0: Trippet to Tully, who was now up again and behind armchair.
3: And did you pass any comment at the time? no but the woman did
1: i think i said oh dear dear dear
2: of course i shall have to take proceedings against your company if it costs
3: me every penny my wife's got i mean that i've got i don't think that will be necessary mr ayers our company is a very generous one and although we cannot acknowledge any legal obligation we like to treat our passengers as fairly as we can. I'm sure you do. We like to make friends. You have a friendly face, Mr. Trippett. We want to see you riding in our buses again. Mind you, I like your buses.
1: They're such a pretty color. Mamie
0: digs Tully in ribs.
3: And if this matter could be settled at once, I'm sure you would be most satisfied. I'm sure I should now speaking without prejudice what sum of money do you fancy would compensate you
0: john to mamie
3: what do you think dear
0: tully signaling five hundred on fingers
2: you see there'll be all the doctor's expenses a terrible loss of time and money probably funeral expenses
5: oh. uh.
0: i can't bear it John, to Trippet.
2: Suppose we say five hundred. Without prejudice, as you say.
0: Trippet raises his eyebrows.
3: I'm afraid that's quite out of the question. Do you realize what five hundred means? I'm afraid I couldn't entertain anything like that. But I'll tell you what I will do. If you like to settle the matter offhand now, and give me your signature. I'll pay down at once the sum of...
0: Taking note from
3: pocket and presenting
0: it to John.
3: Five pounds. Don't be absurd. A five-pound Bank of England note, Mr. Ayers. You could go away for a nice little holiday on a five-pun note.
0: John rises, anger rising.
3: Really, I think you've come here to insult me. Certainly not, Mr. Ayers and without prejudice i think you would be well advised to accept my offer
0: john up to trippet
3: and without prejudice i think you're a silly ass
0: trippet rises mamie comforting john don't upset yourself john
2: why doesn't he offer me a bag of nuts or a balloon
0: trippet getting gloves from table right centre
3: i'm sorry you look at things in that light mr ayers
0: Tully, during this speech, gets Trippett's hat and holds it perched high up on his right hand. With his other hand, he holds the door left open.
3: All I can do is hand in my report.
0: Going left.
3: The company's doctor will come and examine you, and the matter will be out of my hands.
0: Knocks into Tully, sees hat, takes it, bows to Tully, goes to door left, turns.
3: I wish you good day, sir.
0: To John
3: and i hope you'll get better soon
0: exit left Trippet, followed by tully
3: i don't
2: think i shall five pounds for a broken back
1: tully rushing on from door left it's all right john mrs ayers has come back
2: what
0: your wife jack hide me mamie tries to get under table right center john pulls her back
2: no that way hide her tully
0: Tully wandering aimlessly about, John pushes him up to window right-center. Mamie gathers up hat, etc., and goes window right-center. Tully gets Mamie's parasol from settee, and John pushes him out of window.
2: Quick, behind those curtains! I take those things away!
0: Throwing Mamie's gloves after Tully. John gets into easy chair quickly, with blankets still round him. Groans. Enter Pamela, door left. Pamela, seeing John alarmed.
4: John, John, I didn't expect to find you like this.
2: And I didn't expect to see you back quite so soon.
4: I've come to say I'm sorry. Mother has seen that necklace you gave me, placing her bag on table down center. And she says it's worth five hundred pounds.
2: Mother knows.
4: But it is valuable.
2: Of course it is. Instead of spending my money on riotous living, I've been spending it on you.
4: How good of you. But do tell me what has happened
2: don't be alarmed you know i was in a bus accident the other day
4: you were not hurt
2: things have developed since i think they are going to compensate me
4: pamela joyfully
0: then you are not really ill goes down below table john rising
2: that depends i'm going to that bedroom
0: pointing right
2: And I'm not coming out until that bus company gives me five hundred pounds. Not if I've got to lie there for a month.
4: Oh, don't say that, John.
2: I know what I'm doing. I'll teach them to offer me a balloon. I mean, a five-pound nut. Uh, No, not nut. Note. Now please go and get the bed ready.
0: Leading Pamela to door right. But, John.
2: Do go to oblige me. I'm expecting the doctor here at any minute.
0: Pushes Pamela off door right. John signals to Tully, who drags Mamie out by the hand. They come down a few steps. Quick!
2: Quick as you can!
0: Pamela re-enters. Tully and Mamie get behind curtains again quickly. But, John, it may be weeks and weeks before these people pay out the money. John, holding Blanket high up to obscure Pamela's view of the room
2: now do please do as i ask you if the doctor finds me out of bed it'll ruin me
0: pamela going back into room right oh very well exit pamela john signals and tully drags mamie across to door left
3: go on hurry up hurry up
0: they are nearly across to door when pamela re-enters but john it's just occurred to me tully and mamie turn and pamela faces them John falls over Blanket downright. Tully still holds Mamie's hand. In his other hand, he has Mamie's
4: parasol.
2: Oh, uh, I don't think you have met before.
4: I don't think we have.
2: Let me introduce you. This is my wife.
0: Pointing to Pamela.
2: And this is...
0: Pointing to Mamie.
2: This is... This is Mrs. Tully.
0: Tully drops Mamie's hand. Thunderstruck what pamela doubtfully mrs tooley
2: yes he was married secretly a week ago
0: tully boiling with rage oh i say mamie turns her ring round to look like wedding ring and holds hand up conspicuously
2: i'm sorry to let the cat out of the bag old man but it can't be helped
0: tully rushes across stage in front of table and armchair with Mamie's sunshade raised in a threatening manner. John! John! John, kneeling to Tully, pleadingly.
2: Bertram! Bertram!
0: Tully's face relaxes and develops into a broad smile.
1: Oh, John! John! Giggles.
0: Pamela and Mamie shake hands center. Curtain. End of Act One.